Bada bing, bada boom. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Divi Chat, episode 134. We are going to be talking about billing and money today. Show me the money. So, do you bill hourly? Do you bill by the project? How do you get your cold, hard cash? Uh, we got an awesome full panel today. Let's go around and start. I uh, want to do ladies first. Let's go with Tammy before her internet craps out on her. And she <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Tammy, and I am representing Orlando, Florida. I am from Sunflower Creatives, uh, the coaching marketplace, and brandelemental.com. You can find me at your blog place on Twitter. All right. And Sarah, feeling a little rough this morning? Had a big day yesterday? <laughs> I am feeling a little bit tired, but I'm always feeling tired for Divi Chat days um, because it's seven in the morning and it's just not fair. Um, so I'm Sarah Oates. I'm from Endure Web Studios from Australia. You can catch me at endure.com.au or Endure Web on the socials. All right. And uh, our buddy Josh, who's looking... He's looking a little poor today, guys. I don't know if we should trust him with his billing. He's got the old <laughs> wired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just let everyone know right, right before we went on that I lost my freaking AirPods. No idea where they well, went. Now you're slumming. I have the case. So, yeah, I had to go old school and use the wired headphones. Anywho, uh. yeah. I am Josh Hall from, uh, well, joshhall.co, where you can find Divi tutorials, WordPress stuff, courses, and all that good stuff. You can check my web design business out at intransitstudios.com. And then, uh, yeah, other obviously Divi chat. So good to be back, guys. It's been a few weeks for me. All right, Tim, you're up. Hey, everybody. Tim Streifler here. I'm broadcasting from Southern California, and you can find me online at divilife.com, timstreichler.com, and wpgears.com. So happy to be here. I'm literally like dripping in sweat right now. I got back from a run. I cut it a little too close. And so I'm like drying myself off. So I apologize. <laughs> I'm not nervous. It's just- Boys are so lucky. <laughs> you can't even tell. Hey guys, I'm Stephanie with Focus WP. Uh, you can find me at focuswp.co, um, or you can jump over and join our Facebook group, Focus on Your Biz, and Facebook, where we got a lot of great chats going over there, helping each other with our web development businesses. So, okay, today, pricing, billing, hourly versus fixed bid versus some other kind of bartering for chickens. I don't know. How do you guys, how do you do it? Who wants to, uh, who wants to kick it off? Tim, do we have anything to define? Yeah, I don't know if we have anything to define, but pricing is definitely a tricky topic. Uh, there's no like absolute right way. Um, there might be some absolute wrong ways. I'm sure we could find some. Um, Trade services. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally don't think bartering is is right. I also don't think doing pro bono websites is right either. And most of the time, but we'll we can talk about that. Um, but yeah, pricing your services is 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 tricky. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to define. Yeah, I don't think so either. So do we want to just uh, start off going around and talking about how we've handled this? Um, sometimes it starts one way and ends up another. And we know everybody, our, usually our listeners are at sort of different points on the, on the process. So everybody might be in a different place right now. Josh, you're ready to go, I can tell. Yeah, I'm really passionate about this because it's just huge. It's it's kind of like the underlying factor that 
every one of us is constantly thinking about or trying to raise, or we're wondering like, am I doing it wrong? Am I leaving money on the table? There's all these questions that us as web designers face in regards to pricing. So essentially the two main ways, there's a ton of different pricing options, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but the two most common ways are to do a fixed price, which means you're going to charge $3,000 for a website. And then you hope that it only takes you a certain amount of hours. Otherwise, if it creeps up in time, then you're making less and less and less. Um, whereas the other option is hourly. Hourly is um, where you basically have your fixed rate and then you're charging the client or you're charging the person you're working with, you know, a certain amount of money for your time, depending on how many hours you have. So the question is, I, there's times where I do hourly and there's times when I do fixed. I actually prefer to do fixed rate pricing for my business. Um, I have personally, I don't do hourly as far as full builds because I find that a little limiting. And I think you can get into some um, some areas that are a little sticky with that just because if let's say you, you bill out for 30 hours for a website build and the client pays for 30, then you get to that point and the website isn't done I, f I find that there can be a lot of things that can get tricky with clients. If you're like, listen, the website's half done, but you know, I'm already 30 hours in, we're going to need to do another retainer. Whereas if you do a fixed rate, it's again, $3,000 for a website build. That's going to include everything from start to finish. The website is going to be built. The cool thing about the fixed model, while it does have some more risk, um, I found that we've had websites that have gone very well and I've made $200, $300 an hour before on projects. Whereas if I limited myself to, you know, a hundred bucks an hour, um, I wouldn't be able to make more at some point. So the risk to that though, is that again, if you do a fixed project and you end up having 50, 60 hours, then you're making less and less and less as time goes on. But I find that it evens out. So that's kind of my, my summary, my two cents of the two, uh, two main price points. Yeah. I found it fixed pricing or small businesses especially they prefer like project-based pricing fixed pricing because they can set aside a budget and they know how much it's going to cost and there's no surprises there um as long as you know the project stays within the scope um and so i find for clients they they, they appreciate that so it's easier for them to sign on the dotted line rather than having like a range you know based off of hourly billing type of thing i had someone um this really smart businessman that i used to work for when i was my early twenties. And he, he taught me that, which I thought this was such an interesting way to look at it. He said, if you bill hourly, you am, at the beginning of a project, you start off at odds with your customer because it's in your best interests to do it slowly and their best interests for you to do it quickly. And I was like, that is so true. Even if it's not ever stated like that. And obviously we just want to get the projects done too. There's a part of that, but I was like, even just subconsciously, there's an element of like anything they're asking you for or thinking you're doing, there's always that underlying, like, are they doing this just to pad the bill or is it really necessary? That being said, I still do a lot of hourly stuff. It's hard for me. I'm trying to get away from it, but. Yeah. And what I, what I do with hourly generally is we do fixed costs for the website build. And then moving forward, if the client has additions and updates and things like that, if it's outside our maintenance plan, then we'll do hourly. Then we'll do what I would call a retainer of hours. So if a client says, Hey, we've got, you know, new staff to add, we've got a new page we want to add and we want to integrate, 
you know, like an email platform or something, then we'll kind of estimate like, okay, that's probably going to be five or, you know, maybe five or six hours. So we'll do a retainer for five hours. We'll see if we can get that all done. Maybe we need a couple more if there's revisions, but more than likely we'll get that done. That's generally when I do hourly. Yeah. I do kind of a hybrid of both. I like to do fixed, uh, fixed rate with clients, but I um, like to do it based uh, solely on uh, how much hours it's going to take to do the project. So it's still kind of, um, you know, estimated by how many hours it's going to take. Yeah, th that's what I do too. It's, it's all based off of time, the way I plan it. So they're paying me based off of the project, a fixed rate. But the way that I come up with that rate is based off of projections on, you know, how long it's going to take each part of the project you know, then with some additional, uh, like, I don't want to say padding, because I feel like that has a negative tone to it. But essentially, that's what it is, is some padding, so that if things take a little bit longer, I'm not losing money. Because I feel like yeah. one of the big pros of project based billing or fixed based billing is the client knows exactly how much it's going to cost. And then so that's the pro for them. There's no surprises. For the web designer, the pro is, if you work really efficiently, and uh, then you can do kind of what, what Josh mentioned, where you're making a, a really large hourly rate if you break it down hourly and you're the only one working on it. And so you end up making more for your time. But the downside is, is if you miscalculate and something takes way longer, well, now your hourly rate's diminishing and you're making less for that same you know block of time because um, you're spending more time on it. Um, but yeah, I, I think kind of basing it off of time is always come, kind of what it comes down to. Um, people will throw out the term like time and materials, how much time and then materials. And then for us, you know, that could be like the Divi license, gravity forms, you know, all the different things you put into it, hosting, um, and then, you know, a percentage for profit, uh, you know, can come into that as well. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, Go ahead, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's the the risk of the fixed pricing model is just that you're, you're, you know, you'll have situations inevitably where you're going to make a little less than you would ideally. However, I find that the situations where you make a lot more outweigh those tremendously because I find the problem with the hourly is that you limit yourself to the hourly rate, no matter what. And you get to a point with your web design business and just life in general, where you want to start making more, but working less and you cannot do that with hourly. You're, you're stuck to your hourly rate where if you do a fixed pricing model and do it accordingly, and like Tammy said, you, 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 you learn eventually to kind of figure out how many hours you think will be in there. We're all terrible. Every, everybody is terrible at estimating correctly. So you always want to estimate higher. You always want to compensate for revisions and things that might go wrong. And then, yeah, you plan out accordingly. And, and again, to Tim's point, I think most businesses that I've worked with are going to be much more open to that mainly for budget reasons and for proposal reasons, particularly for organizations that have um, a, a tier of people. Like imagine the per you're, you're working with a marketing person and then they go to the boss and they're like, Hey, you know, they can do this, but they need like 30 hours now. And then we don't know how far that's going to get in the project. It's just a tricky way to go hourly. I know some people do it well. And if it works by golly, that's cool. But um, I I'm all about the fixed model myself. I don't think I've ever had a client who would have accepted hourly on a full project. So everybody that I've talked to has said they're only happy to take a, a fixed price for an actual website build for that same reason. Like they want to know like how much is it going to cost me in the end? And yeah, sometimes like we'll have to 
uh, buffer at the end. And I have lost big time on some projects where I've completely underestimated them. And I've won really well on other websites where I underestimated or um, I did it based on value, like value pricing instead of hours. So I, I know that's kind of part of the discussion, but there are some websites where the value that the person is going to get out of that website is ginormous and you know that it's ginormous. Like they're not just a tiny little business. They're a little bit bigger than that. You know that they're getting most of their business through their website. You know that that is a big part of their business. Well, yeah, I can achieve the job in six hours. Yes, I can. But should I only charge six hours for this job? Mm, I, I don't think I should. I think I should be charging, you know, I think I should be charging 150 hours for this job if it was in hours, even though I can do the job much, much faster than that. Um, not that I would ever build a website in six hours probably, <laughs> but you know, like, you know, the point, like sometimes it's not about the hours. Like sometimes the complexity of what they're getting isn't actually that hard to achieve, but the result that what they get is worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And that's important to be taken into consideration. That's a great point, Sarah, particularly for like the value to the customer. When you, when you learn how to build websites better and you're working more with like user experience and conversions and things like that. Yeah. Once you get a lot of those practices in place, they may not take that much time extra, but they're much more valuable and going to make more money. So yeah, absolutely. And I think um, we've had some really good questions in the chat so far. Uh, one question, John Williams wanted to know, what about like a hybrid pricing model to where you may do fixed up to a certain point, but then it goes to hourly after that. I don't know if you guys have ever mixed the two. I was, I was actually going to bring that up or, or something similar to where what I do is I have it actually built into every contract that um, the fixed rate only applies to the items that are laid out in the contract. Yeah project scope mm-hmm. and then anything extra is billed at a rate of yeah. this many dollars per hour and so a lot of projects kind of go that route to where you know the client doesn't know everything that they want during the discovery call and the planning phase and so stuff inevitably comes up and I of course send a friendly you know reminder just so you know this wasn't part of our original agreement so this is going to be billed at an hourly rate and so they kind of become hybrids along the way because of essentially, I mean, you can call it scope creep. However, I've protected in that there's, I'm still getting paid for it at an hourly rate opposed to me just doing it for free, which is the negative side of scope creep. <laughs> protected scope creep. I like that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> exactly. And I guess in that circumstance, you've got two options. Like if someone says to you, Hey, um, oh, I've just forgotten we need three extra pages. How much is that going to cost? So at that point, if it's mid project and you were charging whatever, for the job overall say i've forgotten i need these three extra pages they're basically replications of these other pages just with different content you know how much is that going to cost me at that point you again have the choice do i then package that up as a whole or do i think this is going to continue on in which case it's probably easier to go the hourly rate or if it's just literally like i want three extra pages you can actually charge per page So I've gone both routes of, you know, sometimes it feels like it's easier just to say, hey, that's going to be like maybe three extra hours. Let's just charge my hourly rate for that. 
Or sometimes I'll say, oh, you need another three pages. It's going to be 200 bucks a page or whatever it's going to be. And so then they know, oh, and actually let's add another couple of pages and they understand. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, that's a pretty good rate for a page. Um, but they then know the boundaries around adding extra pages. Sometimes you lose out there though, where it's not just a replication of another page and it ends up being some like epic page that has like all this fancy stuff in it and you're like oh my gosh (laughs) that took me like 10 hours just to do that one page so it can still lose out for you if you don't go hourly sometimes so here's a scenario that I have this is an actual client it's it's one of my biggest clients and um, we do ongoing work for them every single month we have an SEO contract with them that is a flat bid so we do all the SEO work um, under that umbrella, but then we have another open project that is their marketing. So they'll like every month I post their blog posts for them and share it on social, which is fine. That can all be like planned out, you know, like a flat rate. I don't, but it could be easily, but then it's like, they'll come to me and say like, Hey, could you brand these documents for us? Or, Hey, could you, um, we want to change this page on the site or we want to do this or set up our one month. They came to me and were like, we're setting up a whole new email marketing system. That month I build them $4,000. Uh, the next month I build them $300. So not, it's all just one-offs. And it's like, I'm not going to write a proposal for every little thing that they ask me for. I cannot figure out how to get, I would love to get away from hourly, but like, I I would love your guys' advice on how you, you handle that. Do you have ongoing clients like that, that you're just sort of their marketing department? I did one similar to that stuff recently to where we had built a full site with like e-commerce functionality, WooCommerce and then events and stuff. And then we've been managing that for like three years. And then they came to us earlier this year and they said they wanted to have a membership portion to the site. So we did that as a fixed deal. I, I basically said, it's going to be this amount for, you know, and I put down the deliverables to make sure we're protected, protected scope creep. Um, and then we did that. And then once we got that done, we were doing simultaneously some hourly work too. So they were cool with both. Um, they're great. They're like an A plus client. So they were really receptive to fixed rate for that add on. But then like, they just came to us with a list of stuff with some SEO questions and Google stuff. And then we did that hourly. So, um, I found a mix of both works for that. I guess it just depends on the client and how ongoing those kind of edits are. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of getting into like retainer agreement agency stuff because a lot of, uh, bigger agencies, they'll work like even like enterprise level clients where they'll, the, the big company will have the agency on retainer for, you know, uh, a minimum amount of hours and then they bill hourly, um, you know, along the way and they're going to get at least that, you know, minimum number of, of, uh, agreed upon hours. And so for bigger companies that have a lot of ongoing work, but it doesn't make sense for them to like create an in-house department for that. It makes sense for them to do hourly. They, they pre-buy a set amount of hours to reserve basically their hours with the agency and then they kind of just build stuff as it goes. Kind of like what you were saying, Stephanie, where it's like they're, they're, they become the marketing department. And so I had a friend who ran an agency like that, and he would have retainer agreements with, with uh, mid to, to large companies, and that was their whole model. And every time they'd get a new retainer agreement, you know, for, for usually a year at a time, he would then hire, you know, hire another person or another that. two people to basically scale his team to handle it. Um, and it worked out well. And it's kind of like a everybody wins situation because they have guaranteed work um, yeah. with a bunch of clients with these retainer agreements. And then these companies, they don't have to hire, you know, designers, developers, et cetera, and, and pay them 
uh, salary and benefits and all of that, they can just basically do their ongoing work through this agency. Um, and so that could be a, a, a good model too. I, I feel like you usually see that though for bigger size agencies. Yeah. I've yeah, not, like none of my clients are that big. So they're, they all, if they've got work, it's not regular enough to be on a retainer. So they're more likely, like most of my clients, I'll give them two hours worth of support a year because most of them, that's all they need for like the whole year. But then if they need more, they buy like say five hours and they'll just buy five hours and they just use it up as they need to use it up. But they're so small that they don't need that retainer type system. So I haven't had to do any of that yet. Yeah, same here. Like most blocks of hours, which is kind of different, but it's still hour. It's still as far as your similar. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hourly. It's kind of like yeah, it's a block of hours. But I mean, what we're talking, what you were talking about, Tim, with that model of like the retainer. uh, Most of us are doing that with maintenance plans on a lower scale. Like you have them sign up for seventy-five bucks or fifty-nine or whatever it is, and then you're providing maybe an hour of additional edits or whatever if needed. Um, so it's kind of like a mini version of that. Yeah. I have not had a client that, well, I maybe have one or two clients that are big enough to have that kind of, um, whether it's 500 or a thousand bucks a month or something like that. Um, but yeah, most small businesses are, are, it's going to be tough to, to do, but, um, it is a, a worthwhile thing when it comes to like recurring revenue once the site is launched. Yeah. I, I think retainer agreements can be dangerous when you're a small company because, a lot of times you're putting your all your eggs in one basket. And if you lose that retainer agreement, it can be a huge, huge hit. Um, and so, cause, and I've seen that happen to, to people I'm close with. And so um, I feel like it makes more sense when you have a, a team and you have a large amount of uh, people like uh, the good friend of mine that I grew up with, he would hire someone every time they would get a new agreement. And so they had, they didn't just have... A retainer agreement with one or two companies, it was like seven to 10 different companies. So if they lost one, it didn't kill their business type of thing. You know, they were usually able to pivot without having to lay anybody off. Nice. Yes. I, one of my friends, his family had a landscaping company and 60% of their business came from one retainer client and they left and they were, de- they were decimated. <laughs> we all just like cringe. Yeah. Decimated. So that's a word to the wise. Never let yeah. one of client be more than like 10 or 15% of your income. Definitely. Yeah. I think um Olga, she used to be on Divi Chat for a while, but um she ended up on a retainer and she was doing like almost full time for a company at one point. And I mean she survived it very well, but they were doing all this like massive amount of work. It was all the focus. And then I was wondering, oh, I hope that she's going to be okay, like, you know, once that finishes. But luckily she's had other work coming in now that that's all finished up. But I think there's definitely a risk for us that if we do a job and it's just us solo and we're only focusing on one client for six or 12 months, you're not filling up your portfolio. You're not kind of regularly moving stuff over. So I think that can be a risk if you end up doing a really big job all on your own. And sometimes I wonder if, you know, you're better off kind of keeping it a little bit smaller or having someone else help you so you can smash through it a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, Boy, is that tough though when somebody's there giving you a check, you know? Like, no. And like for that, oh, no, we're not going to do all that. Yeah. Also too, when it comes to retainers, you have to manage the expectations of, um, from my experience, I found that uh, people who have your retainers seem to expect work immediately and uh, yeah. almost treat you like an employee if you're not, Careful. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yep. Yeah. You know yeah, what? Sometimes they can treat you just a little bit not as nice when they right. when you're on a retainer. 
almost like you are like they're just little you know help a person rather than like coming to you and saying hey can you do these things for me and then you can say yes I can do them next Thursday right three hours worth of work you know like (laughs) you're in control in that circumstance a little bit more yeah I think for in those situations it's good to have you know ground rules in place in your contract that like um you know projects must be sent over you know minimum 72 hours, you know, or, or whatever, a, a week before, you know, they need to be delivered type of thing um, and have sort of ground rules in place. So it's not like they don't treat you like you're an employee that works for them full time. That's, you know, across the room that they can just, mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right. you have other clients, you have to be able to, to manage those and deliver for those clients that got there first, essentially. Isn't right. it funny when like clients think they're your, they they are your only client. Like right. they just, like, I you just, don't have anybody else. It's just me. Two, two, two hours ago, I just had a chat with a client and he's a great, he's a nice guy. He's a great client, but he was, he, he just wants to talk on the phone all the time. And I told him, I, <laughs> and I, all web designers are like, all creatives are like this. And he was kind of venting about it. And he was like, it's nothing against you personally, but I just don't understand why web designers uh, are hard to get a hold of and prefer email or, or, you know, like a project management over a phone call. And I tried to explain to him, when it comes to creativity, I don't, I don't mean to derail us, but yeah, it, it can really affect pricing too, because yeah, they, they you know, feel like they're your only client. Um, anyway, I ended up putting a thing in my, like my website package that says like maximum of four hours of client time or contact oh, time. So the idea is that can be in person, that can be on zoom, that can be via email or like phone calls, but so that they get that right up front, like, Yes, you can contact me. Yes, it's reasonably generous, but maybe you don't want to use that all up on like meetings in person or maybe you don't want to call me every second day, potentially. I've never actually called anyone on it, but I just want to put it right up front. Yes, yeah, I mean, you could always go the, the lawyer route and bill for every phone call, like round that half hour. I have never <laughs> no, done that. I, I did start billing. Do you guys bill for meetings? Like, how do you do that? I, I kind of factor it into yeah, the, the project and yeah. so I account for those types of things so basically like I add in those hours like oh okay I had you know two calls before they signed the proposal like I'm going to add those in and, and cover that time even before they've committed like I'm planning that like they're going to basically pay for that later yeah. yeah uh, what, however, if there are clients who really like in-person meetings, Sarah, know, are you in an aquarium? I don't, I don't know. I think it's because the lights. <laughs> are you underwater <laughs> right now? <laughs> I know. Just ignore that. Um, but can, so can I we tap on the glass. Who really, really wanted to do in-person meetings? So I just made sure I put that into the thing, and they had been very clear. We just want you to come to the meeting. So I said to them, "Okay, for this job, we will have a maximum of five meetings in person." and I made sure that that was a part of the pricing model and they knew really upfront that any extra meetings, because for me to go to a meeting, it takes 20 minutes to get there, go do parking, go into the meeting for an hour and a half or whatever. And then, you know, that's a half a day that I have lost. And, and so I really don't like it. I, yeah. hate I generally try and meet in person once at the beginning and then that's it. I try that's to fix the camera. That's well done, Sarah, as far as protecting yourself. One one idea I heard about that on a podcast recently that was absolutely gold was when you get a website done, inevitably the client's going to ask questions or they're going to, you know, maybe ask them about some Google stuff or SEO or whatever. Or they're going to have a quick phone call. 
And yes, that's going to add more time. And what you could do is if you're not going to build a client because they just spent four grand with you or something, and you know, you just got the website launched is right. you can send them an invoice for your time, but just mark it down to zero, but then they will understand, okay, that hour call we had is worth this amount. That Google stuff help that you helped me out with would be about, you know, this much. And it's a good way to basically let them know like, Hey, I'm not going to charge you for any of this, but moving forward, these are what these kind of um, services would be. So it was a really cool way to think about like preparing the client to know like, okay, I just can't hit up Josh on a Friday night to ask about yeah. my domain settings. Um, you know, it's a really good idea. Uh, to maybe, kind of, I feel maybe like that retainer comes in, right? Like for some clients, maybe they just want the ability to call you and ask you random questions and like, and that's where you build that in and you say, okay, look, it seems like you really like to talk on the phone and ask me these questions. How about we build this in one hour a month? You've got an hour a month where you can call me. I'm not always going to answer straight away, but I will call you back. And, you know, you can feel free to ask me any of these random questions and we're going to cap that at an hour per month. And then they pay for it and they know it's coming and, you know, they're not shocked when they, when you charge them and they still feel like you're available, you know at a time that's reasonable when you're not stuck in the middle of something. Yeah. I feel like, uh, Josh, what you're saying the, from that podcast, sending the, the invoice mark paid, I feel like that might come across as like a little passive aggressive. Like, I don't know, for me, I would probably rather just like be more upfront and tell them, Hey, just so you know, like I typically charge this much, you know, per hour for the, these types of conversations, like for the future. Yeah, that's very fair. That's in all fairness, I have not done that. Yeah, yeah, no. But it's a great idea. Like uh, the the moral of the story is like making sure that the client understands the value of what those are, because it's yeah, it's easy to take advantage of that. But yeah, even if you're just to email and let them know, like, hey, you know, for for this amount of time, it'd be something like this. Yeah, it doesn't have to be necessarily official. Sometimes I'll say that up front if they say, hey, can we meet in person? And we've already met in person. Sometimes that's when I'll say up front. Hey, yeah, we can. That's fine. But just so you know, like that takes a lot of time and I am going to have to charge for that time. So it's actually more cost effective for you if we do a Zoom meeting. Um, I'm happy to help you work out how to set that up, but it means that you're not having to pay for, you know, extra time for me. So, you know, that sometimes that's a nice way of kind of saying, I don't want to come meet you in person, but equally, yes, we can still meet. So there's ways around it to be a bit nicer and maybe you still do the thing the first time, but then after that, or same with phone calls you answer the phone calls the first time and then you say, Hey, just so you know. And let's be honest. Let's be honest. Is it a client that you're like, yeah, they're great. I'd love to hang out with them for an hour and get some coffee. Or is it like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wanted to get us back on track with pricing. I thought it might be kind of cool to talk about billable time. Steph, I know you mentioned the beginning about maybe talking about billable stuff. Like, do you guys bill 50 up front, 50 upon completion? Do you launch the site and then bill, or do you get all the front i'd be curious to see what you guys are doing big projects just like everybody do usually 50 percent down and then depending on how long it's going to be 50 at the end or break that into 25 and 25 um i am trying to i've tried for a long time and i'm still trying to get um like a monthly payment plan because i've got some lower level clients that they it's not that they're not willing and it's not that their business isn't viable it's just they're small and they just can't do a big like couple grand chunk you know twice in three months or whatever it is you know so it's i really am trying to find something like that that works i haven't quite done it yet but 
I do that with clients. I've got a few clients who we've done that with where um, I essentially kind of give them the quote for the full amount. And then I just say, look, if this is more than you can afford at this point, that that's okay. Like you can usually get a gist if that's going to be more than they're up for. And then I know some people ask for a down payment initially, and then they split the rest over however many weeks. But for me, I just, I just split it over whole 12 months, like right up front. Okay, that's fine. No worries. Here's the quote. Um, and I have in the agreement, you know, if you don't pay, then I'm going to take the website off or, you know, that kind of thing. So you're putting yourself at risk a little bit. But for me, for those clients, they're so thankful that you've been able to make it work for them. And so then essentially I just put them on a 12-month plan. They're paying for the whole website over that 12 months. And then after that, I generally, those clients, again, can't pay for a full year's maintenance up front. So I keep them on a yearly thing and so like a monthly thing and so then they just pay and it goes down and all of a sudden they're like yay I'm not paying as much and so they're quite happy to go on maintenance because they've yeah. been used to paying monthly so then yeah. like that price reduces um, but for bigger clients I generally do 30% up front and then I do 30% after they sign off on the design and then we do the final 40% after the website's done before it goes live, except usually it ends up being after it goes live, but I haven't had any clients be douchebags about paying, but yeah, I split it up into three. Um, and I have played around with a couple of clients on doing 40% upfront, then 30, 30, just because sometimes they drag on. Sarah, then- do you, when you do three, cause I've done that too. I've done three payments before, but generally I just do 50 upfront, 50 upon completion. When you do yeah. three, do you set that date for the middle 30%? Like, no, I don't, like- but it's, it's based on progress. So we have the 30% upfront and then it's very clear in the contract, like the next 30% is going to be due when you sign off on design. The challenge with that is if a project moves really fast, they might end up doing was- 30 and then 30 quite quickly. So that might be, you know, within a couple of weeks. But for most clients, they'll come to me, they'll say, hey, we want a website. I'll say, that's fine. We can start it next month. But I send them the initial invoice straight away. It's due before we start the work. And so that's up to them, whether they want to pay it today or whether they want to pay it in the next month. And then we do the design. Design generally takes two weeks, but sometimes can drag out. But then that's when the next payment is due. And then the the problem is then if they drag on giving us content that then potentially, essentially what I'm wanting with the down payment is I want it to cover the design. So in my mind, I want it to cover, like I work with another girl, I want to be able to make sure that we have the money up front to pay for that design. And if they disapprove the design, we're okay. Like they've paid 30%. They don't feel like they've lost the whole 50%, but equally we 100% can cover the work that we've done at that point. So that's why I do it that way. The 30, 30, 40, the only downfall with that too, though, I would imagine is if that middle payment takes a while to come in and you're on a roll, like you're, you're ready to get the design done. I don't start building if they don't pay that second payment. So if we, it's not usually hard to get the design part moving. That's usually okay. Um, But if they don't pay that second payment, I don't start building the website. And so for them, it gives them motivation to make sure they pay that second payment really fast because otherwise it holds the whole process up. Gotcha. Tammy, did you, you guys were doing like 99% up front, 1% completion, right? What? No, that wasn't us. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No. Tammy is a don't let Tammy smile for you. She's brutal with business. Yeah. I don't know if it's a 
the American Australian thing. I don't I don't know anyone in Australia who does 50 50 50. I'd be really interested really? to hear from other countries if that's standard. I think standard. that's standard here. Because I don't think I that's think standard anything. here in Australia. Sarah, when you do the monthly, the 12 month, do you do a chunk, big chunk deposit up front? I don't. I know a lot of people do and I know they so like. You're, you're going underwater. Potentially. It depends on the client, right? Like. Designer. I've only done it with a few clients and to be honest, they've ended up not always being fabulous clients because they just don't have the money. Um, But I've started using, I use Xero for my finances and I started using this thing called GoCardless and it's like a attachment thing to Xero. I'm sure it works with other things as well. But essentially what you do is you send the client this link, they then sign up for it and it makes automatic payments. And so the idea is that anytime I send them an invoice through Xero, they have already pre-approved for that money to come out on the date that their invoice is due. So anybody who's on monthly now has to go on that thing because I was chasing people and it was frustrating for me. And I'm sure it was frustrating for them to be getting 5 million emails. And so now I do lose 3% on it, obviously, but my plan moving forward is anyone who says I'd like to go monthly. I say, that's fine. It'll be an extra 3% just for the cost of this auto transaction thing. Um, but it means I don't have to chase anyone anymore with monthly. Yeah, that's, so that's the that's, with, with a lot of payments for something like that. Cause that client I mentioned earlier, great client, but they have to send it to accounting. Accounting has to process yeah. it. Like I generally don't see a check with at least three weeks when I invoice. Yeah. Something. And a lot of those places, they only do finances like once a month as well. So you can't like most of my invoices are 14 days, but with bigger places, yeah, they never get it except once a month. Gosh, don't you do auto payments with your maintenance? You send bills every month and get a check. Uh, maintenance is mostly credit card, although I do have yeah. some that are annual. I have a handful of annual okay. folks and then I just bill those out manually and I bill them like a month in advance. So I'm like, here's the next, you know, 2020. Yeah. Next year. yeah. yeah. Uh, but for projects, most of my client, well, I, I still have a lot that pay check. I guess it's probably about 50, 50. Um, when I, when a company- I would never get a check in Australia. Is that standard? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, I get it all the time. Yeah, I don't. I don't accept checks anymore. Like I, they, what? they have to pay me through uh, FreshBooks is what I use, which is either PayPal or Stripe. It's um, amazing. Cause... I've never received a check in my entire business. Yeah, checks are annoying. Not only does it take them a long time to to pay you because it has to go through finance, all that they have to mail it, whatever. But also in the U.S., if it's over a certain amount, they have to send you a a tax form and you have to fill it out, put your sensitive wow. information, send it back. Isn't that um, only over like 10 K? Like how many 10 K right. checks are you getting? But yeah, <laughs> I've only, have to, I've like, only had that happen a couple times or a handful. I might not feel sorry for you. It, it depends <laughs> on the company though. Um, but uh, yeah, cause some, I, I mean, I've had it for like, you know, a small, a small check under a thousand dollars where they still sent it kind of where they're like being like overly cautious with like, you know, tax stuff. I've never but, had that. Yeah. So interesting though, like I still do quite a few checks. I would say it's probably 50, wow. 50 for my business. Um, what a pain. Then you oh, have to wow. although, although I've actually found, I've actually found that people, if it's <laughs> no, a business, no, you just put it in on your phone. 
They, yeah. Oh, I do it on my phone. Yeah. I just do it through yeah, the app and then they phone. send checks pretty quickly. Oh, America's very different to Australia. I'm unless learning. Yeah. Unless it's a bigger company that it takes 30 days to get a check in which it's a pain. However, uh, with credit cards, if you're doing a $5,000 website, it's a pretty good fee on a $2,500 payment. And yeah. I, I used to charge for fees. I stopped that. I felt a little icky about doing that. So I just, I just eat the cost and I, I eat the cost, but I factor that in. So, okay, I'm going to raise my rates this year. I'm going to do it, you know, this percentage. And that's going to include, you know, credit card processing. I think it's just a cost of doing business. Just like when I go and buy food and they want to charge me, you know, an extra. Oh, don't you hate that? Yeah. You do it. Some places say they're cash only. Yeah. It's bonkers. Well, I haven't actually done it yet with the extra 3%. And I just don't I do it, Sarah. That's that's a crappy well, move. I hate that. I know okay, it so sucks, but it's just no, it my reasoning around that is different, though, because my reasoning around that is if I'm sending an a quote, I'm sending a quote to a client and saying, this is the quote I'm expecting 30, 30, 40. And then they say, actually, could I get it monthly? Well, yes, you can. But that is extra processing of my time. So that is actually taking me more time to set up the recurring payments to you know make sure they come in and I'm it's not even just the three percent it actually takes me more time I think it's reasonable to say to someone yeah that's totally fine but there is a fee to the fact that you're choosing to pay monthly rather than giving me the money all up front I I don't think it's unreasonable to say you know if you pay me up front it's actually cheaper but if you want it over 12 months that's totally fine but there is a cost I do agree with and that yeah, that's, you're basically that's doing the opposite of a lot of like software where like, oh, monthly is $12, but if you pay for a yeah. year rather mm-hmm. than it being 144, it's only going to be 120, you know? But that's yeah. because that's only like you can cancel anytime. Right. That's why it works well, out. The I other don't know. I mean, I- it's financing your car. If you finance your car instead of paying for it all up front, your car note adds up to more than the total amount of the car. Yeah. Interest. That's so it. I've got some clients who've been on monthly and they've been challenging and I wanted to move over to this go cardless thing because I was sick of chasing people up and it was taking up my time and I just thought stuff this. I had the agreement that they were meant to do an auto payment, but they weren't. So anyway, I thought I'm going to fix this thing. And so I said, okay, here's the deal. If you pay me up front for maintenance for this next year, I'll give you a 5% discount. Like I went big. I was like, I will give you a discount if you pay me up front or you can stay on monthly. They all chose to stay on monthly. So for some people, they don't care that it's going to be cheaper to pay up front. Like, and that was my theory of, well, I'm just going to do it in reverse if people come to me. Yes, you can. This is an option, but it does cost more. And that's a a little bit different than what I was referencing between taking a check payment and a credit card payment. Because like I said, what I did when I started taking credit card payments, I added that fee on and it Mm -hmm. rubbed a few clients the wrong way, rightfully so. And then I was like, oh, shoot. I didn't even even think about that. So then they'll want to pay check. And is it beneficial for you for them to pay check versus credit card? Like, yeah, I, think, I, I just yeah. am ba- I'm really surprised, Tim, that you you don't take checks because I have so many companies that do checks and some don't even have credit. Like they may have a credit card, but like I know my A client that I'm talking about, they don't have a credit card that they use with me. It's it's so all billing through check, billing through. Can you guys do direct deposit? Like so in Australia, the way it works is you just give them your bank account and you say. Yeah. 
hey, this is my preferred method. This is my bank account. Put the money in, please. And they do it. Like, that's how it works in Australia. Yeah, there um, are there Miro are. Miro just said like in that. the chat, yeah, he's he had a client set that up. Like, do that. Showed him how to do it because that's how she wanted to pay him. And now yeah, you can... Like I use seven, I use 17 hats and there's a setting in there where you can set up basically bank yeah. transfers. ACH. Uh, ACH. Yep. Have you guys, uh, so when I, do you guys send checks? Josh, do you send checks? Do you? Write? I haven't in a long time, but I did, uh, for my SEO partner for a while, I sent him checks cause, um, he didn't have a credit card processor at that time. So. Cause this yeah. might be kind of an interesting little topic too. Like how do we pay for things and receive our money? So I have, um, e-checks that I can email to somebody and then they can just print them out and deposit them however they want. And that's how I pay like my staff a lot, you know, contractors or my regular staff. Uh, I just email them a check and it seems to work great because then they don't lose any money on credit card fees. And then, you know, it costs like a a quarter for a check or something like that. So it's a pretty cost effective um, way to send money. But uh, Zelle, I don't, you probably don't, I don't know if you have Zelle in Australia have you, you guys familiar with Zelle? Mm-hmm. You used to be, not be able to do it with businesses, but now you can. So you can send money. You can just transfer money and there's no fees for that. Transfer yeah, but that's what, in, in Australia, there's no fees. Like you just- oh, Yeah, you don't need to do it. You log in onto internet banking. You say where you want to send the money and it doesn't cost anything. And then I have a client, uh, that one big client, they pay me through bill.com which I send them my invoice through my invoicing system the same way I always do. They enter it into their system and bill.com sends me a check. It, they used to. And then all I had to do was sign up for a bill.com account, a free account, and connect my bank account. And now the money just goes straight into my account, which is great. Nice. Then they don't, you know, then nobody's paying the fees on that one either. Cause, cause that really, it does get you, even if it's okay. only like three to 5% or whatever, it ends up being a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It is tax deductible though. I don't know if we said that out. Did I say that out loud yet? Those credit card fees, you can't deduct them on your taxes, which yep. is yep. at least something. Yeah. For those, for those Somebody said we should take Bitcoin. Josh, <laughs> call yourself. We should accept Bitcoin. I can't what, even. What yeah. were you going to say, Tammy? Yeah, go ahead, Tammy. For those of you who uh, do the monthly um, pay payments with your clients, have you thought about using PayPal or... Um, you know, kind of referring them to using PayPal's credit so that you can get paid. It, uh, in oh, it. that's a good idea, Tammy. Yeah, I looked at it when I did the GoCardless thing. So I ended up choosing GoCardless, but I did look into PayPal and it looked like a reasonable option. It just was more set up than what I already, what I already, I already had recurring invoices. So this was a simpler combination, but it did look good. Yeah, the downside to PayPal credit is it's like applying for a credit card. So they have to do a credit check and mm-hmm. it's attached to them. And so um, mm. I feel like that might scare some clients away. That's um, also a good thing, though, because then they're actually being verified and like then it it goes on their credit if they don't pay. Right. I mean, it's good for us, but for them, mm-hmm. I feel like it would scare them away from wanting to do that. It's just I, like getting a store card, you know, when you want to go get that piece of furniture it's furniture store or whatever it is you know you get your little (laughs) store card and you buy it your macy's card i'm anti-debt so i don't do that (laughs) (laughs) financing it's financing hey one one thing i do want to say particularly for web designers who are just starting out when it comes to pricing and all these different variables be very wary i would not recommend doing this which is to do 
um, the, the good old classic thing where a client's like, I'll pay you a certain percentage of what the website makes. I actually, <laughs> I just heard that yesterday, a client I talked to yesterday and yeah, maybe he's a nice guy, oh but I, I don't think he understood that I'm, I didn't just start doing this. I, I know exactly what <laughs> the pitch is. And he basically <laughs> offered to pay like 30% of what I quoted up front. And then the rest will be off of what the website makes. And I told him straight Oop. up, like, I understand, you know, that you don't have the budget right now, but we're absolutely not going to do that. And we're not set up to do <laughs> like that. And, and I told him, I'm like, you're going to be very hard pressed to find a web designer who's going to agree to that. Um, a legitimate yeah, one. Yeah. Generally, you know, if, if you think a idea or a website is going to make that back, you're going to do the investment, which is going to force you to make it work. So yeah, yeah. Something, good point something else i wanted to talk about that we didn't uh i wish i would have brought this up earlier that we have not mentioned and that is value-based pricing which is still like Sarah talked about a little bit. you can do whatever i think when he dropped out oh you did okay good when i went on break you guys yeah but you, you like, feel free to say like whatever you're gonna say like go for <laughs> um how long was i gone man so yeah. um the there's a video that circle circles up in the groups a lot by that guy future and it's really excellent we'll have to find it and like put it in the show notes but um it really talks about it a lot like instead of saying like my an hour of my time is worth this many dollars and i'm gonna spend this many hours that's how i come up with my price it's a little bit like for example if i'm doing this seo project with someone if they get one client that lands on their site and signs up then that they have a a high ticket price client. So if they're going to make, you know, eight to $10,000 per month on that client, that's $120,000 a year. So what is my value? If that's for one new client in a year's time, they would make $120,000. So I could charge them two or 3000 a month easy because that's a, that's like super easy math to show somebody like I can build you this. And if you get one client out of it, you know, you make, if you make 10 grand, I'll charge you seven and then it's like a no-brainer as far as the math goes so that's another way of structuring your it still is you're still structuring a flat bid basically you know it's not really changing flat bid versus hourly yeah i know um there is a divi chat an earlier one on value-based pricing which i'm all about and what i do is i have my general price ranges um i'm going to be talking about this in my upcoming business course but i funnel my clients into two different sections i either show them pricing to kind of weed out the tire kickers or I show them the pricing ranges, or if I think it's a really great a client, I don't let them know my price ranges at all. For example, uh, last year I did one that was three times more than my top project I ever did. Had they seen my price ranges initially, they would have been like, well, why is this going to be three times more? But it was because they were a multi-million. Well, probably they were, you know, they were, they were doing a very large amount. So yeah, like yeah. that amount was a drop in the hat to them. So yeah, I'm all about value-based pricing for sure. Yeah. Value-based pricing can be tricky, which by the way, I also have a, a lesson on value-based pricing in mine and David's already established <laughs> Divi business course. My outcoming- <laughs> oh, I'm going to, I'm going to up that lesson times. <laughs> um, Watch out. No, but, but for real, uh, it's tricky though, when you have, a similar website that you're doing for very different prices based off yeah. of, of value of, you know, what the, the current company is going to do with it. Like if you're just, for example, just to keep it simple, if you're building just a blog for, you know, someone's personal site, you know, you charge a thousand, two thousand dollars, you know, whatever it may be. And then say you're building just a blog for like an enterprise level client, like, and you're charging $20,000. Um, 
I mean, it makes sense when you see, okay, well, this company over here, the enterprise level client, they're going to be able to use that blog for content marketing and be able to, yeah. uh, you know, make thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars as a result of the content marketing they're going to do with that blog compared to someone's personal blog that they're going to take Instagram photos of their food and then write about it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense when you look at it that way, but it can be tricky when, like what Josh said, when the client, like, you know, you kind of hope that they talk to each other. Like that's kind of hope that they're not going to like say, right. Yeah. And and that's the thing is the people always bring up is like, Oh, like that doesn't seem fair. Like that's unethical and stuff. And, um, it's it's hard to argue that side of it. Yeah. But say like it might in reality take you. $3,000 $3,000 worth of time potentially, but you know that that person who's putting photos of their food, they can't afford $3,000. Like, but equally, you know, they, but that's what. The other way, if it's worth it to one company for that site to cost 10 grand, you're just doing the other guy a favor. You're just yeah. being a good person dropping your price for the other guy. If you think about it that way, it takes ethics out of it. And it makes it sound nice. And you kind of, you're wanting to help them out. So another thing that we haven't talked about is if people aren't coming for like a full website. So I've had a lot of people lately who are basically trying to do a Divi site themselves. They get 80% of the way there and then they're like, it just kind of looks crap. Like, I just need a bit of help. I, I can't get it over the line. And so for those guys, I never charge them fixed price ever, 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 because it's always very murky what they actually need. They kind of come and they say, hey, like, can you just help me fix it? And in their mind, that's maybe two hours of work or whatever. So in that case, I will always do hourly rate. I will estimate what I think I can do. But often what I'll say to them is, hey, why don't you pay me for an hour of my time? I will do what I can in that hour. You can see what I have done. And then at that point, if you'd like me to keep going, you can pay me for another hour or another two hours or another three hours. But that way they kind of, they see what I achieve in an hour because I think the hourly thing, people feel nervous about, like we said before, are you just going to work slow? Like, what are you going to achieve in an hour? What do I get out of that? I don't want to give you five hours worth of time upfront. So often what I'll say is, okay, How about you pay me one or two hours up front, depending on how big the job is. And then after that, you can pay me after the next one or two hours. And so we kind of like, we flip over at that point. So I'll do work and then they'll pay me afterwards. But they can see in that hour, it means they have the control around, okay, well, what else will I get her to do? I know she can achieve this in an hour. So what do I think I'm going to get out of the rest? And it it kind of hands the control back to them. And I found that's really successful with a lot of people who are nervous about hourly rate, hourly work, but I feel much more in control because I would prefer to be able to, you know, not say, yes, I will fix off, like finish off and make it all beautiful for 500 bucks. I think you're going to get yourself at risk in that case. Sarah, um, so I, I would go hourly. I think that's awesome. It, except for that, like, are you going to get more work out of these clients? Because that seems like a lot of hand holding and a big headache. Done for like three hours worth of work you know yeah you, okay yeah but I'm getting my hourly rate like I right. you know it's just extra work that I'm fitting in with other stuff that I'm doing uh, so it's not like the bulk of my work gaps. comes yeah. to me as hey can you do three hours of work yeah I can fit that in this afternoon like it's not yeah. a big deal and that's instant money like straight yeah. away so for me I actually think that stuff is nice you little bank transfer it is yeah 
<laughs> well, that's all I <laughs> offer. So this is a joke. Yeah. Hey guys, it's um, it's we we're, we're up to the hour. Uh, you guys want to do some final thoughts? Heck yeah! Heck yeah! Heck yeah, Josh. Go for it. <laughs> Buddy, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'll start. Well, I have quite a few. Oh my gosh. I guess I'll just say, um, whatever your rates are right now, charge a little more. Just even if you're just starting out, charge a little more than what you think you should. Uh, I found that when I made the slightest increase to my prices, it just set off this chain of all good things for me and my business because I severely undervalued my work for far too long. So my recommendation is let's say you're charging 1500 bucks for a brochure style website make that sucker up to like 1950 or 1997, keep it in the same pricing bucket, we'll call it. And you'll be amazed at how many clients you'll still get. And you'll make a little more to compensate for uh, profit. And, and you'll, you know, you'll hate life a lot less too. Cause like life once a lot you less, yeah. pass the point <laughs> and when you're like, you're like, Oh, I'm not making any money now. I'm and you never done. know when you put a big project out there. We've talked about that before. I remember David said this one time, like you just never know. Sometimes you put a really big pros out there. Sometimes you land it. And I'm, I've done that yeah. too. So I highly recommend, yeah, just raise your rates no matter where you're at right now. It'll, it'll do nothing but benefit for you. All right. Final thoughts. Who else? I'll go next. Yes. Um, for me, what I've discovered that is when you uh, try to estimate the amount of time you're going to do on a project, for now, I, I just double it. Double because it. For some, yes. Because for some reason, it's like my uh, initial thoughts about how long it's going to take to do something is it's usually too idealistic and not realistic. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I usually double double that time and uh, it kind of keeps me on track of being, I guess, more realistic and not over-optimistic for the client. Yeah, nice. yeah, that actually transitions nicely into my final thought, which is track everything. It uh, doesn't matter if you're doing hourly, doesn't matter if you're doing um, you know, project-based or fixed-price billing. You want to know exactly how long it takes you to do everything. So get in the habit when you're sitting down at your computer and you're working, track your time, even if it's not a time that like for a project and you just want to know how long it takes you to like invoice clients and stuff. I think just being in that habit, use a good time tracking app. Um, I use FreshBooks for billing and they have a, a, a tracker built in and then I could assign it to each client and the project and everything and type in what I was doing. So it makes it really easy and keeps everything in one place, but there's a lot of different time trackers out there. So just find something that works for you. Um, so, you know, you get really good at knowing exactly how long it takes for each task. And then also at the end, you can look back and see, Hey, normally it only takes me, you know, uh, four hours for this part of the project. Why did it take so long? And you can kind of figure out exactly where you went wrong and you know, what problems you ran into. So you can try to avoid them later. And I hate tracking time, but it is so important. Yeah, it really is. Once you get in the habit, you don't even think about it. It's just second nature. Um, and it, it never becomes second nature. I put, I have two different things on my computer that track me <laughs> at the end of the week. I'm, month more like it I go back and have to like review everything and ugh, it's awful Sarah, I'll do you- my final thought to follow up with that because I want to talk more about it and I don't really have a final thought so okay. like I I use an app called timing and it comes with setup so if you have set up it's 10 bucks a month and you get all that's these one of mine that's apps. one of the ones I use. it's so good I, like part of my process of finishing the day is I close all my windows, I open up timing and then I just make sure I've categorized everything for the day. So timing essentially runs in the back end of your computer and it learns and you teach it over time. And so you teach it like anytime I'm on this particular website, attribute it to this particular thing. And so I really love it because it 
like Tim said, it gives you all that information, but it also gives me information if a client calls me and I look at their website, it's going to show me that I spent five minutes on their website and over a month I can see or over a year how much time I'm spending on those additional things that were just five minutes and ordinarily I would have swept under the rug. I can start to see like just how much time. I, but the other thing I do is at the end of the financial year, I have a look at it and it's so nice to kind of look back and go, how many hours did I actually work? How much money did I actually make over that financial year? What does that mean my hourly rate really is? Like, what do I actually get into my bank account at the end of the financial year? And that's been a really good tracker for me over the years of working out, is my business growing? Am I actually making more money over the time? Um, And what I've learned is I'm getting more productive with my time because I'm using time tracking because it makes me want to focus a bit more. So it also shows shows you all the stuff that you're not doing. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It was very confronting when I started doing it. Very confronting. Uh, It's timing. Terrible name because you can't ever just find it. No, and it's not, it's got prettier over time. And as you know, I like pretty things, Um, Mm -hmm. but it is very accurate and the way that you can teach it it only gets better and better and better and better over time and I've now done a full financial year on it and so you can see so much information about how much time you're spending on all different things even on marketing I'm finding it useful to work out you know I still attribute that to work time it doesn't I don't and I have different categories so Mm -hmm. one section says this is money earning one section is just business costs and it shows me how much time am I spending on the business that gets me no money and that's really helpful information as well. Um, it is. The other know. one, the other one for those listening or watching um, that I've used is called Rescue Time because uh, timing is a paid yeah. app, which is worth it, I think, especially if you have set up. But um, yeah. Rescue Time is free, and it it used to just be in the browser, uh, but now it's a it's an app, so it tracks everything on your computer that you're doing, and it works similarly. You can upgrade to yeah. a paid. Thing that does more reporting and stuff it's not nearly as robust but it it's not bad I like to have the redundancy because every once in a while one logs you out or something and whatever <laughs> timely app is the one I used to use and it's very beautiful but they raised their prices and it became very expensive but it's very beautiful all right, all right guys we're winding down I did have one final thought my final thought as I was hearing everybody talk about all this stuff um I think there is um there is a learning curve. There is a maturity that comes with doing this for a while that you get better and better at it. I was just talking to somebody the other uh, Monday night, I think last night, we were saying that I used to like m- modify my quotes after every single project because I would realize something I did wrong or left out. And I sort of had this epiphany. I was like, hey, I don't really hardly ever do that anymore. It's like you just learn as you go. And so if you have to start out with some hourly stuff, like sometimes you just need to to get to figure out how long things take you. But if you can switch over, do it. But then the real kicker is your contracts. Get that stuff documented. If you're going to do a flat bid, put caps on it, you know, of scope, of time, whatever it is, however it's being. Deliverables. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Did you say tax? Pardon? Did you say tax? No, I did not. Oh, okay. I was going to say you can't tax (laughs) the service like that. Like, no. (laughs) digital deliverable no. but yeah, I, so. who, I don't know never, i don't know what i would never do that i would never do that i'll tell you that much when i yeah did you when, really uh, do that oh yeah when i got started <laughs> no idea this was also bear in mind this is when i had drum lessons on my business card when i first started so. <laughs> drum lessons and web design. no i looked i looked up ohio tax and i put it on the invoice yeah yeah 
Yeah, classic. So, yeah. So well, anyway, yeah, get those get those contracts tight, document, and I mean, like that's so annoying to do. But once you have it, once you have all that fine print figured out, it's just on every quote, and then you can just like then you're you just get the scope nailed down for each specific client. So, um, all right, we're cu- we're coming up on just being a little bit over time here. I wanted to read one review um, from our buddy Jake St. Peter. I think he's in the live chat tonight. Yeah, yes. And- and he's, um, he's been a loyal follower for a little while now. It's a long review. I'm just going to sort of read a couple of highlights. It says, this podcast is amazing on so many different levels. First, you're getting access to some of the best and all their own tips and tricks. If you're looking to start your own agency or company, you can save yourself a lot of trials and errors by listening to the people that have already done it. Thanks, everyone, for sharing your time and knowledge. And yes, the chemistry between the panelists is just absolutely fabulous except when they get in fights about their courses. <laughs> it's, it's friendly cooperation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, that. That's and great. Guys, yeah, please appreciate the review. The like button. Smash it. Pablo, did you get him to smash it today, buddy? And then subscribe. Yeah, a couple well, of times. Leave us reviews other places we'll, so we can read them and share, and it helps get the word out and build our little Divi community even farther. So, All right, you guys. It's been awesome. Thanks so much. Cheers, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Yeah. I think we're still live. No.